This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift on Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back into the show. And for the final time this year, it's a great pleasure to welcome in my mate and fabulous guitar player, Kel Jenkins, who uh, uh, joins us for the final time. I bet you're a little bit kind of, you know, emotional oh, about oh, this. Oh, I am. Yeah, it's been wonderful. <laughs> I've loved it. Can I come back next year, please? Yeah, you can. You can come Yay. back next year. <laughs> now, um, you chose a band to shine the light on today. I'm just looking at some stats. 22 studio albums, two live albums, 83 singles and four soundtrack albums. So that's a fair amount of work. It's a fair amount of work and total record sales of over 220 million. Um, <laughs> and that doesn't include the songs that they've written for other artists, Yeah, which is, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about those a bit later, but some of the most well-known songs ever that they've written and people don't necessarily realise them. And uh, it is the legends which are the Bee Gees. Definitely the Bee Gees, of course, the brothers Barry, Robin and Morris Gibb. Um, what a prolific uh, amount of work. And uh, I mentioned earlier on that I've been lucky enough to do a couple of summer seasons playing keyboards on the Isle of Man. And I know they're absolutely revered over there. The, there's even yeah. a statue on, on the promenade oh, amazing. at the Isle of Man of, of the three brothers looking out to sea. So, yeah. um, you know, that was kind of where it all started for them. Then it they is. moved to my home city of Manchester. Yeah, and this is because a lot of people think they're from Australia and they did spend a lot of time yeah. there and that's kind of where they had their first records come out. But it was a, it's a really interesting story of how they allegedly started. So as you say, they was on the Isle of Man and then moved to Manchester and then they kind of, as kids, started singing harmonies. And in the local cinema, they'd always do a thing where they'd get kids come in on a Saturday for the Saturday cinema mm -hmm. to mime along to a 78 as it was, was back then. Mm -hmm. So the, the legend story has it that they was running along to the cinema with the 78 that they was going to mime to on the way they dropped it and like 78s are really thick so it shattered <laughs> so they ended up standing up there they didn't have a record and they actually sung themselves and apparently it went down so well that kind of they kind of thought well okay well let's yeah. let's do a little bit more singing so yeah. apparently because of a broken 78 that's how the BG started yeah and uh, a cappella and harmonies you know yeah. um, and I, I've said it so many times when it comes to you know, families, flesh and blood yeah. together. The harmonies, you look at the Carpenters, you look at the Everly Brothers, yeah. and there's there's several of them. Um, they just blend so well, and these guys were the epitome of it. Oh, I think, and and their output was phenomenal, but but you're dead right. There's, you can put them with other singers, but there's just such a a natural tone, which I think it just runs through runs through the, br the blood, the upbringing. Um, it's interesting, actually. I Back in the day, I used to uh, sort of knock around with Boy George's, uh, but he's got six or seven brothers, so mm. I was in a band with one of his brothers. Okay. They've all got the same tone as Boy George, because Boy George has <laughs> got, yeah, he's got that very distinctive kind yeah. of tone. Yeah. And his brothers, there's there's two of them that sing, and they've got exactly the same tone. So it, it does really translate to something special when you get brothers singing together. Yeah, definitely does. Well, let's get a tune in, shall we? Yeah. Um, we can either go... I mean, they've had kind of different eras, haven't they, of the Bee Gees? They have. You know, uh, maybe we can start with something from the 60s days, such as uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, that was, I think that was one of one of their first hits that, that came out back in the day. And again, this was a real, real kind of showcase to how all of their vocals work together. 
because the, the harmonies between all of it is just absolutely stunning. But I think the one, the one and I'm, I know I'm going to end up saying this <laughs> all the way through through tonight, but the quality of the music they produce is absolutely stunning. So this was 19, 1967, sold over 14 million records. It was their first major international hit and was the number one in the UK and Australia. Uh, but they'd never actually been to Massachusetts, but they heard the name and they really liked it. And as they do, wrote a song about it. So 1967, 14 million units sold of Massachusetts and, uh, of course, lead there, uh, the one and uh, only Morris um, Gibb. Had that very distinctive kind of vibrato on his voice, didn't he? Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the things they're known for and almost mocked for it, like the kind of high falsetto voice. But it's just the melody that carries across. And as you say, when the three of them come together and, and sing with those beautiful family harmonies it just whatever and they've got so many different styles as well as we'll touch on but it all resonates it was a great year for them was 1967 as uh, they also had another big hit uh, song 13 million from uh, the album Spicks and Specks called to love somebody yeah and I think this is this has almost become a standard and I think this really amplifies the quality of the songwriting is by the artists that cover so some of the people that have covered this have been Michael Bolton Michael Bublé but also Anis like uh, artists like like Janis Joplin yeah. and Nina Simone. And like those last two are very, very serious artists. And they, you know, they won't take a song just to take a song. <laughs> no. There has to be some real soul behind it. So, yeah, so I think this has been kind of one of their most enduring love songs. I mean, they've written so many ballads, but this one really, really strikes through. And you just had another one in 1967. Great song to love somebody. There's a light 
shine a light that never shone on me. I want my life to be a little. So there's a second tune from uh, the Bee Gees from that year of 1967. I, I thought very much orchestrated like the Beatles music uh, with, the, yeah. with the orchestra there and the string section. Yeah, it's and you kind of hear almost like um, the horns in the background. It's very yeah. reminiscent of Sgt. Pepper, yeah. which was released the same year as well. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely some influences somewhere yeah, crossing over. a bit over. of competition. So to love somebody from the Bee Gees, we're taking a look at their incredible career and playing some of their wonderful songs. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is The Night Shift. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Welcome back into the show. We are looking at the incredible career of the Bee Gees. The brothers, of course, born in the Isle of Man. Uh, moving to Manchester in the UK, then out to Australia, of course, and uh, from there they became absolute megastars. But not only wrote so many hits for themselves, um, uh, Kel, they they wrote for other people as well and and, uh, put their BG stamp on these songs. They really did. And again, it just shows the quality of of their songwriting ability. They really learned their trade and they come up with some absolutely fabulous covers. There was um, uh, More Than A Woman, Tavares, what a song that was. Yep. Um, if I Can't Have You, Yvonne Elliman, Hold On To My Love, Jimmy Ruffin, Heartbreaker, Dion Warwick. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a great story about Take That because it's, it's rumoured that Back For Good was actually written by the Bee Gees and not by Take That. And apparently there was a deal done where they said, look, we know you're a boy band. You will split up. When you split up, we want you to do a cover of, of How Deep Is Your Love because they knew that would be the biggest song they ever do. And we will give you back 
back uh, back for good you can claim that as your own song <laughs> and interestingly if you listen to it because their music's really complex to play uh so if you listen to it, it's a lot more complex than the, a lot of the stuff gary barlow writes i remember seeing robbie williams when he played at maydan back in the day and when he introduced Back for Good, he said, oh, here's the song written by the Bee Gees. So that, for me, was, <laughs> was kind of proof that, uh, yeah. that, that the urban myth could well be true. But, yeah, there's some other great songs, such as Grease, Woman in Love um, by Barbara Streisand, Islands in the Stream, Chain Reaction, Diana Ross, which I think we might have a few of them there. Right, let's have a listen to a couple of these songs. This one for Frankie Valli. Yeah. So Frankie Valley's Grease, um, penned by the Bee Gees. So was this tune. Barbara Streisand, and of course, um, famously um, a certain Gibb brother, um, performed on the album, produced the album Guilty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And, and you can kind of hear their harmonies a little bit yeah. in back. And again, but she's another particular artist that wouldn't just choose any songwriter. <laughs> so to get on her album... It was amazing. Probably the most famous um, one written by the Bee Gees that was a big hit. Yeah, Kenny and Dolly. Uh, yeah. Again, big artists who can choose, pick and choose what they want to sing. They really can. But what a perfect marriage of both of their voices. And it works so well. And again, you you think it's a Dolly song. You don't think it's a Bee Gees unless you listen to it two or three times. And then you can hear like a, yeah. a common thread through all of them. But yeah, fantastic yeah. song. And finally, this one. Yeah, very obvious in that one. The yeah. Bee Gees there on backing vocals. That has been, out of all the songs that I've ever played, Chain Reaction has possibly got to be the most complicated song that I've ever played in a band. Really? It's, it's got about three different key changes. It doesn't follow normal chord patterns. Literally had like the size of the desk that I'm in front of with all the music in front of it. It's so hard to play, but what a great <laughs> song. Let's see what we make of this one. You should be dancing. What do we know about this? Yeah, well, this this actually appeared on the album before Saturday Night Fever, which was uh, Children of the World. And reputedly, this is what John Travolta used as his backing music when he was learning all the dancing for the movie. Wow. And said so it had to be in.
Well, you should be dancing. I always thought that was on the soundtrack of Saturday Night Fever, but proven wrong there. But of course, that really opened the floodgates for, you know, what many people say was the start of disco music and, and, you know, that wonderful sound of the falsetto voices. Yeah, and just, I think it's the four on the floor, look, like the, the disco beat that they kind of invent. They did almost invent disco with this, and it was such a difference from what they had done before. I mean, we've listened to a couple of songs from the 60s. Yeah. To come up with this, because they heard what was going in the clubs, did their own interpretation. This married with that wonderful film was just, oh, it's match made in heaven. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, John Travolta taking on the lead role with his white suit. We'll never forget that <laughs> on, on that dance floor. Uh, that lit up, of course, Saturday Night Fever, an absolute phenomenon of a movie and uh, also a phenomenon of a soundtrack. For many years, it was the best-selling soundtrack of all time. Whether it is still, I'm not sure. Um, No, no, I I think it just got... It might have been picked by Thriller, but but it sold... I mean, between... In the three years that the film came out, it sold over 25 million copies. It sold, so far, about 40 million. It's 16 times platinum, uh, platinum... Stayed in a, a top a top of the charts for 24 weeks straight. But I think it's just, I don't think there's a more seminal soundtrack to a movie and a movement of music such as, such as Saturday Night Fever. So there's um, what was the big single release from uh, the movie Saturday Night Fever. Of course, the opening sequence is one that sees John Travolta kind of uh, marching down a street in uh, in Manhattan, looking yeah. at all the fancy clothes, the shirt that he wants for, yeah. the, for the weekend, the nightclub. Of course, he yeah. works in a paint shop and he can't afford um, the shirt, but... Um, the tune that he does that to is something called "Staying Alive." Yeah, and it's just, it's just such a seminal track. It's it, you do that dance, you see that pose, you see that white suit. It's just a phenomenal piece of music, and I'd defy anyone not to do the John Travolta pointy up and down diagonal bit. Can I'm you do doing it? Are right you going to do it now? There we go. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
I think a song um, as iconic as, as the actual title track to uh, the the album Saturday Night. It really but is, and every time you hear it, you just you just see that white suit. You see that that multicoloured disco floor, and but it still sounds really fresh now. I don't think it sounds dated at all. It's still got that that pumping rhythm and as I say it just gets people moving if you hear it you're just going to have a little yeah. little little shifty on your chair you certainly are <laughs> we'll come back with more as we take a look at the incredible career of uh, the three brothers the Bee Gees this is the Night Shift with Mark Lloyd on Dubai Eye 103.8 the UAE's number one talk radio station yeah, Barry Morris and uh, Robin Gibb is what we are looking at from the ballads, the um, kind of 1960s sound um, to the 70s and Saturday Night Fever, that soundtrack. And of course, uh, there was one point where, you know, the brothers did, after so much success and so much pressure, I guess, yeah. they fell out and split up for a, a while. They did, and I think it's inevitable. I mean, if you if you think they was together, like three, well, three brothers just staying on the course without being... <laughs> staying like... alive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much. So, so I think um, Robin Gibb went on a went on a solo career, yeah, and yeah. They, they'd kind of gone their gone their ways, but they'd had so much success uh, at that stage as well. I think that was around about the eight was it eighties uh, nineties yeah. around about that time. Yeah, um, yeah, and then they did kind of kind of reconcile and, and come back together again. But I think it's just inevitable the sheer output as well. I think this is one of the things that's really not kind of focused on enough is the sheer output of what they did. They were constantly working, constantly writing, constantly together. Because they didn't really, whilst they wrote for other artists, they didn't really kind of do sidebands or anything like that. It was just such mm. a tight unit. Mm. So with all of that, it's, it's naturally going to come with pressure. So it's, it's not a surprise. They probably needed a break from each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. This next song that we're going to play um, was actually wrote after they'd gotten into a few argument arguments and, yeah. and realised that the power of words and just how they can make you happy or sad when what somebody says. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, was, it came after one of the arguments between them. And interestingly enough, this was actually written for Cliff Richard. But he right. was between our, he wasn't recording at the time. So again, it's one of those things for another artist. And they kind of went, well, this is such a good song, actually. Give you all my life I'm here if you should call 
earlier on in the year, um, I interviewed uh, Ronan Keating, who was coming here to do a show, yeah. and, and we got on to uh, the Bee Gees. I was like, asking him about some of his, you know, real kind of influences and who he really admired. Yeah. And he said, the Bee Gees, for me, were just the most prolific songwriters ever and he actually came out and said even more than the Beatles let's move on to another tune of a similar era how can you mend a broken heart yeah again it's uh, this was their first number one in the states uh, this was June 1971 I believe mm-hmm. uh, it also featured in the film The Poseidon Adventure and again talking about great artists that, that cover their songs this was uh, covered by Al Green uh, on the album Let's Stay Together, and his his version was used in uh, in the Notting Hill movie. So it's like everything they write, everybody want, wants to kind of get their hands on, but the quality of the artist is kind of second to none. And, and yeah, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful song. I can think of younger days. When living for my life Was everything a man could want to do I could never see tomorrow I was never told about the sorrows Stop the rain from falling down How can you stop the sun from shining What makes the world go round How can you mend this broken land How can a loser ever win That rustles through the trees And misty memories of days gone by We could never see tomorrow No one said a word about the sorrow Shining. What makes the world go 
So how can you mend a broken heart there by the Bee Gees? Now, we've got time for one more as we uh, once again look at the incredible career of, of the Bee Gees, Kel. Yeah, so this, uh, again, was is kind of synonymous a bit with Saturday Night Fever. Interestingly enough, it was, and this will give the title away, it was originally called Drive Talking. Yes. And the kind of, it was about the rhythm of the car of the, they, was, they was kind of driving when they, yeah. when they was in the States. Uh, but it, the, the song reached, it was a huge song. It reached number one in the US, Canada, Australia. I think this as well, it really kind of features the the falsetto that they're really, really known for, um, the era that they're really, really known for, uh, and it's a great track called Jive Talking. Just uh, the perfect Bee Gees track, isn't it? Eh? I think it's just got everything in it. It's it's got that instantly distinctive vocal. It sounds simple, but the music underneath it's really complex. I think there was like a seven eight time time change in the middle of that. That bass sounds is that full, full on disco, but it's got a really simple beat. But it just makes you smile. It makes you move. Absolutely a perfect example of what great songwriters they were. Yeah, amazing. Just amazing stuff. The Bee Gees. Thank you so much once again, Kel, for joining us on the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year too. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.